African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Moshatama. We always zoom into one subject matter, look at one topic that really, really is a conversation that we can have on the continent. Well, today we're going to be looking at the UNESCO World Day for Audiovisual Heritage, look at the importance of archiving and look at why this particular day is important. Remember, you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band Southern Africa. Let's quickly move on and get our news and move is standing by. In the headlines, voters in Congo Republic approve a change to the constitution. Vote counting continues as Tanzanians awaits presidential poll result and a UN team deployed to South Sudan to assess the country's human rights situation.
A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musam. Voters in Congo Republic have approved a change to the constitution. 92% voted in favor of the constitutional change. The change will allow President Dene Sasungesu to run for a third consecutive term at elections next year. The Electoral Commission says turnout in the referendum held on Sunday was 72%. The opposition boycotted the poll and a senior opposition leader said it should be annulled due to low turnout. Tanzanian officials are counting votes for a second day as the election commission calls for calm and warns only they can declare results. The opposition Chadema party has alleged rigging in Sunday's presidential general and local elections. In Zanzibar, the main opposition presidential candidate declared himself the winner ahead of any official announcement of results. In the national presidential race, John Makafuli of the Chamacha Mapinduzi party is seen as the favorite to beat former Prime Minister Edward Lowassa, who is heading a coalition of opposition parties. Three senior members of a Central African Republic rebel group have been abducted in the capital, Bangui, after participating in peace talks convened by interim President Catherine Samba Panza's government. The men formed the Union for Peace in Central Africa, a faction of the former Seleka Rebel Alliance, were abducted after their vehicle was attacked. The abduction has not been claimed by any armed group. It comes just days after anti-Balaka militiamen briefly seized a senior figure in the transitional government outside Bangui. The International Criminal Court has denied a request by former Ivorian President Laurent Gbagbo's lawyers to hold his trial in Abidjan because of security risks and logistical difficulties. The Hague-based court's decision comes after Bagbo's lawyers last month asked for his trial to be moved to Abidjan or alternatively in Arusha in Tanzania. Bagbo and his former army chief are due to face the ICC on the 10th of November over their roles in post-election violence in the country. A UN team has been deployed to South Sudan to assess the country's human rights situation following reports of violations and abuses committed by both sides in the conflict there. South Sudan celebrated four years of independence in July, but political crisis between the President Kiir and his former deputy, Rahik Macha, has led to the deaths of thousands of people since December 2013. TN Pen reports. The 10-member team has been deployed to South Sudan in accordance with a UN Human Rights Council resolution. It will focus on human rights violations affecting civilians in the country since the outbreak of violence nearly two years ago. It also will build on work done by the Human Rights Division at the UN mission in the country, UNMISS. An assessment report will be presented to the Human Rights Council, which is based in Geneva, at its next session in March 2016. In the headlines, or rather recapping the top stories, voters in Congo Republic will prove a change to the constitution. Vote counting continues as Tanzanians await the presidential poll result and a UN team deployed to South Sudan to assess the country's human rights situation.
to Africa Midday. Get to know Channel Africa and all the people who bring news, views and great African entertainment. You can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 902. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. This is African Dialogue. Well, today we're looking at a very interesting topic. Today we are celebrating the World Day for Audiovisual Heritage. And uh, this is a day that really is headed by the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, amongst others, which aims to raise awareness about the importance of audiovisual documents and how it's so essential for us to actually invest in archiving. This year's theme is Archives at Risk, Protecting the World's Identities. Well, we've got some uh, studio guests today, and uh, it's a big, big day for us here at the SABC at Channel Africa because most of us deal with audiovisuals. We deal with audio and how we can actually archive it. We've got in our studios uh, Namatama Mate, who is a journalist and archivist from the SABC. And also we've got Sipo Lope, who is an archivist, also working with Springbok Radio. Your right here at the SABC. And joining us from the line, we've got Cecil Nguva Uva, who is a former Southern African Broadcasters Association Secretary General. So we want to start this conversation with you, Cecil. Thank you for joining us on the line. It's a pleasure to join you from Namibia, here in the heart of Namibia, Ventug is the capital city, in fact. Fantastic. It's great to be speaking to you, uh, Cecil. Tell us a little bit about the importance of this day. Why should we actually focus on issues such as audiovisuals, archiving? Why should we actually care as the world? Benjamin and the uh, dear listener, thank you so much for the opportunity and also a hi to the studio colleagues. Um, yes, audiovisual is one of those important aspects, especially to broadcasters per se, because that means money to each and every broadcaster. Um, and to the listener out there, that is actually the gold mine we all have that we cannot do without. Um, it, it forms part of our livelihood. It forms part of our history, which determines our future. It's actually the reference point that each and every person actually has in life. So that is actually why we have the audiovisual, that aspect in our being, in our broadcasting industry, in our midst, in our libraries, because that is actually one of the, the most important reference point in our lives in history. It is that heritage that we have of people that we may have forgotten about, um, um, uh, who whose um, uh, roles in lives may have uh, done so much great, you know, to, the change, to change the society, to, um, uh, to, to, uh, to guide, you know, the future for all, all of us. So audio heritage is so important to all of us, and it is, it is so great, you know, that UNESCO has come up with uh, such an activity and sure. endeavor to retain this, to preserve, and it is, 
it is really incumbent upon all of us to uh, preserve, you know, what we have at the moment uh, because we might need it, you know, in the longer run anyway. Let, let me come back to the guests in our studio and start with you, Namatama Mate. I know that uh, you help us with our uh, archiving here on uh, uh, Channel Africa. And when I need something or when Brett or one of our journalists or senior managers here needs something, we're always coming to you, running to you, uh, Mama Mate, can you please help us with this audio from uh, two years back? And you're always there for us and helping us on this particular issue of archiving. How important is archiving? And, uh, you know, just like uh, Cecil was highlighting there, it is very important in terms to, to really protect that history, isn't it? Yes, indeed, Benjamin, it is very important, as Cecil has put it, because has, uh, there is a saying in English saying that somebody who doesn't know his or her history, he is or she is a person or he is like a car without wheels. Mm. So what Cecil has said, it is uh, very important. In fact, to start with, for Channel Africa, because I am, or we are the custodians of Channel Africa material. Sure. So to start with, I was very surprised when I moved from Channel Africa to archives. I didn't know anything about it. But I discovered that Channel Africa is very, very rich in material, Mm. old material and new material. So, like, uh, if we talk about uh, mean discs, Channel Africa have got mean discs from 2001. Wow. And then we have got CDs from 2003. And now, because of, uh, as you know, that technology is changing every day, mm. we are now saving the material for Channel Africa and the whole SABC on our ax store. Mm. So everyday technology is changing. So has Seso said that uh, it is uh, like we are <coughs> we don't want to lose what we had. Yes. Even for our kids and for the future. So for example the SABC have started with a very good thing. Maybe you have seen it on TV sure. which is called SABC Enco. Mm. If you go around the SABC and on I don't know if it is on channel what. You see that most of our old people, they like it. Even the youth who mm, didn't know mm. about what was happening before we got in Pendes or before South sure. Africa became free, they are now watching what happened. So that's what, uh, why we are, we, we are in archiving sure. now. Yeah. Well, uh, let me bring that to Sipo. And if you don't know what ENCO is, it's really um, a channel on uh, uh, satellite TV, really, that actually really broadcasts old material, old comedies, old dramas. Very, very great to see it on uh, uh, that particular channel and really attracting people. Used to love all those old films. But Sipo, in terms of that technology changes, you know, how has social media as well changed the way we archive information? How has social media actually also ensured that we actually maintain archiving well basically um i think that's a good question because i'm actually doing springbok radio yes now springbok radio was the first commercial radio station in south africa it's already been archived but what is interesting just like that inco channel the people that used to listen to springbok radio said now we want that Springbok Radio back because we understand that radio is still there today mm. but it's not like it was you know in those days so basically um, my, my, my mandate is to take those old um, uh, programs because now they've been archived on tape and the equipment that 
we're using to uh, sort of um, listen back or play back the sure. tape is no longer available. Okay. So we only have maybe like two machines that can actually read that uh, tape. So okay. now my duty is to try and digitize that. But coming to your question, social network plays a huge role because I remember when I started to, because now what I do is I have to take those programs, put it all together, make it sound like it was in those days. So basically the selection of music, the okay. selection of programs. Wow. And I go on social media and uh, interact with those people. The funny thing is that those are, we're looking at 78 year olds. Wow. But they're still very much active on social network. And what is interesting is that there's a lot of students from Boston Media. Mm. Sorry to mention the school, but okay. Le- le- no, it's le- fine. You can, you, yeah. can, you can mention it. Because it's free yeah. advertising, I understand. <laughs> Not really. really. <laughs> but you get a lot of um, uh, schools that are teaching broadcasting, which mm. is something that was not there. I mean, before people we used to uh, get into broadcasting because you know someone who knows someone, mm. blah, 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 or you've got a good voice, or sure. maybe you were lucky to be in the right time at the right place. Mm. But people are now going to school and getting... Um, broadcast diplomas or degrees for Mm. broadcasting. And the funny thing is when I started doing the Springbok radio thing and when my old friends (laughs) asked me because (laughs) I came from UJFM, like, Mm. what are you doing? And I'm I'm doing Springbok radio. They're like, no, but we know Springbok (laughs) radio. And like, how do you know Springbok? No, but then it's part of our curriculum. So social media as well, I'm I'm getting a lot of... um, feedback from those people all right and some of them are commenting and saying but you know that's how radio should still sure, be sure sure so i'm going to take a quick break and i want to find out from you sipa as well the whole archiving program from taking something from a film and actually transferring it into the digital process i find that very interesting as well and i think that you have a lot of work to do probably daily but today we're speaking about archiving we've got sipa Klopp, who's an archivist from springbok radio we've got namatama mata who is a journalist and archivist here at the sabc and also we've got cecil nguva uva who is uh, uh, the former southern African Broadcasters Association Secretary General. We're going to continue with them after this quick break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, today is uh, the world actually acknowledging audiovisual heritage and how do we preserve it? How do we make sure that, hey, we don't just have uh, African dialogue today, that my voice doesn't disappear and go into some void and actually we don't actually record this particular conversation. This conversation is historical, hey? Someone is going to listen to it maybe 10 years down the line because we've got archivists in the studio and making sure that this uh, uh, content is actually preserved. But I want to come back to uh, and actually take that conversation a bit forward, the role of social media and how it's actually changed the way we archive, how it's changed the way we interact with audiovisuals. What are your thoughts around that, Cecil? 
Right, Benjamin, yeah. Um, you see, audiovisual is such an important element, I mean, as we have all highlighted. And social media at the moment is actually learning. It is, in fact, you know, providing us a chance to learn fast, to hear fast, and um, to communicate faster. Now, what we actually need to do at the moment is to preserve, you know, what we have, the way we have actually communicated, right, and not lose out, you know, with, with, the, change, with the changing times. So to keep up, up to speed with how people used to communicate, um, to transform whatever, you know, communications we had then, uh, to preserve it better, to... Um, uh, and, and to also relay it better in, in, in a format that is audible, that is better uh, preserved, which audio and, and, and material is, is actually far much better preserved in order to keep it for a little bit longer. You, you remember that we used to use, we used the, real, the, the real tapes, right? These long tapes, you know, and, and, and those things... Um, um, it deteriorates, you know, easily. So the loss of material is actually easy. Now, with the changing times and with the technology that we have at the moment um, of the the mainframes, um, uh, with uh, the, the with the um, what do you call these new gadgets? You know, all these new gadgets. In fact, you know. It gives us an opportunity to maintain, to preserve what we actually have as material, um, to preserve it better and for a little bit longer, and to also for us to be able to track, you know, how we used to, what challenges we had, you know, in the past for a better informed future uh, generation. Hmm. So I think that is actually where where uh, social social media actually uh, comes into play and the kind of technology that we have at the moment. Um, so that's actually... Um, the other aspect is also the monetization. Sure, sure. Right. Monetization of the content that we have. Those were like, you know, material that we played that never had a value, that we never really attached any value to. But take that material, Right and try to auction it somewhere. Who will not be interested, for example, I mean, who will not be interested in the, the, the conference? Um, let's say, let's talk about the Rivonia trial. Let's just take the Rivonia trial. Who will not be interested in the Rivonia trial material? Sure, sure. How Very, much yeah. would that not cost? Yeah. Now, had it not been for the preservation of that audio material, right? The SABC, for mm. example, that is sitting on that gold mine would actually have lost. Mm. Mm. You and I, you and I, at this point in time, who are now trying to revert and to, um, and to benefit you know, from the proceedings then, will actually have lost this valuable material, this valuable knowledge and and that information had we not preserved, you know, that piece of that piece of material. Yeah, let me find now, out really from. The um, I need to cut you here, off there, Cecil. You know, just before you get sure. in there. Okay, quickly, for quickly, Cecil. How much will the SABC not make, you know, on that material alone?
Well, let me move on to SIPO because I'm also interested in the whole process that uh, whereby you actually get something from a filament into this whole digital process. And SIPO, uh, um, give us a little bit of details about what you actually do in that process. Like Cecil was saying, the, t- the old tapes are very fragile. They're very sensitive. So you have to get things on digital. And how do you make sure, even if it's on digital, that, hey, you've got a backup system to ensure that even if you lose that software on that particular computer, you still have another space where you can actually still get that content. I find that whole saving process very interesting. Can you let us know your daily job, what you get up to? Yeah, basically, um, like he he spoke about real tape. That's what they used to use in those days. Um, of course, the real tape is very sensitive um, because it's tape. It's like a cassette player. Mm. Um, so it's basically we've got now softwares that can record different types of softwares. I mean, I, I can see in the studio using Talet, which mm. is also a recording software, um, and then they vary. So basically, you have to take the tape. The only challenge is now you have to sit there. If the tape is six hours, you have to <laughs> sit there for six hours because you have to play it in real time. You cannot speed the process up because you need to get everything. Then after playing it for six hours, then you're going to save the material. Generally, the SAPC has what we call Arc Store, which is like a storage um, where we store the audio. But for me as well, I store it on an external hard drive. Okay. I've got an external hard drive. And I've also in my internal hard drive. So I've got three. Because um, the Arc Store as well, uh, sometimes you cannot access it. It's like the internet, basically. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's times where maybe everyone is Thank in you. there and mm. it's a network thing. So basically, that's how I do it. But it's basically a, 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 a process of taking the tape, replaying it, and re-recording it into the software. I think the same applies to the TV stuff. Okay, very interesting. Now, let me move on to Namatamamat in terms of finding out what you guys are doing today. I know there's a lot of activity happening here at the SABC because of this particular audiovisual heritage scenario. Tell us a little bit about some of the things you're doing. You were showing me some QR codes, and I'm not quite sure what that is, but um, give us a little bit of information what's happening today in making people aware of the importance of archiving and audiovisuals. Okay, like today what we were doing, we... We, we wanted to show you the new technology. As I was saying, that mm. technology every day we learn there is a new what which we are, you, you, you come across. So like in the SABC today, we are using the QR codes. And uh, I may say we are the first ones in the SABC to use those codes. Okay. So it is like a technical word. So the QR codes are a proven and easy to understand technology to bridge the gap between the physical and the digital world. Mm. So today, even our bosses up there in the FCBC, they didn't know about these codes. So we, some of us will be going to their offices to set up their cell phones, oh, nice. to, set, to set up their machines so that they can be able to to scan some of these things. Okay. These QR codes, maybe you have seen them in shops like yes, Edgar's, yes. Foshin. Sure. There is a code, it is in black and white. Yeah. But if you go near that thing and you scan it, if your cell phone have got that application, if you scan it, it will tell you what is in that shop. Okay. So this is the fastest or the quickest thing to know 
about something which is happening. Okay, that's interesting. So like yesterday, I was very late to create one for Channel Africa, but I'm halfway Yeah, please, please, you better. So all, you better. Channel, Africa, <laughs> all Channel Africa programs and the SABC programs sure. will be having that QR Oh, that's fantastic. Code. But now, bear in mind that Channel Africa have got six services. Mm. And I'm the only one. <laughs> so it's so a, you have a lot of work to yes, do. Yes, it's there. a lot of work to do. Sure, sure. Yes. Well, mm. let me move on to uh, Ilza Asman, who's joining us now. She's the chairman of uh, the uh, Southern African Broadcasters Association Audiovisual Committee. Ilza, thank you for joining us. And I know it was a last-minute connection morning. with you, but we're really grateful that you could join us. Thank you. Good morning, and thank you for having me on your show. So we've already established the fact that, uh, you know, archiving is important and that audiovisuals are very, very sensitive as well. And that for us to really have a, a form of heritage and memory, we need to also focus on the issue of audiovisuals and, and, and preserving them. In terms of what, how we're actually doing that, uh, in terms of how we're actually maintaining that, in the continent, are we doing that very well? Especially when you look at the Southern African region, are we preserving our information and our audiovisuals in the best way that we can? I think that is a very contentious question. I think um, when I did a study a couple of years ago, I found passionate archivists, people who really, really care about their collections. Um, but I did not find the same commitment from the top necessarily. Um, partly because um, archive is still not understood um, in the way that it should, and partly because of funding. To digitize the collections costs a lot of money and ask for a lot of commitment uh, from the, from the um, executives. And in so doing, I think there's a gap at the moment. So most of our collections in Africa, or Southern Africa, I must say, is what we call currently at risk. In other words, the collections are deteriorating, um, the playback equipment is no longer available, and if they are, it's very costly to bring them in, and you need to know where the funders uh, uh, that are um, to bring them in. And then, um, apart from that, is to actually get a digital system, a MAM uh, system, up and running that will make sure that when we digitize the content, we can retrieve and find it back uh, with the um, relevant metadata. So I would ask for huge project man, uh, project management and funding, and I don't think all the broadcasters are necessarily ready for that. I know um, Namibia, for instance, has taken the lead in this, the NPC, and they've done some terrific work in this instance already. Um, I know the city is looking for a funder so they can start with the, um, the work on that. I know SABC has recently, um, and I hope that my information is correct, uh, from a newspaper that they recently um, released an RFI for a man system. These are all steps in the right direction, and this is where we hope to go. Sure, Ilz, I'm going to take a quick break, and then I want to come back to you and also maybe also involve Cecil and our other guests here in studio looking at what are the stereotypes around archiving? Why do people not f- 
take it so seriously as you highlighted there. Hey, when I hear your thoughts, okay. hey, do you and think Benjamin. that uh, uh, we'll, I'll come back to you? I have to go to a break, so, so okay. but I need I'll come back to you. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. That's our SMS number. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. We're looking at the importance of audiovisuals today. Is uh, UNESCO's World Day for Audiovisual Heritage, and it's happening here at the SAPC where we're broadcasting live at the every day basically and so this is a day that we're really looking at how do we preserve audio how do we preserve visuals what are your thoughts around this conversations plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero or find us on twitter at african dialogue let's take a quick break we'll be back would like to get to know you our listener so we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station is it via shortwave internet or satellite and what do you enjoy listening to you can sms us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine oh five or email us it's at info at channelafrica.org you can also tell us via facebook or tweet us on the handle at channel africa numerical one or write to us at the address P.O. Box 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006 Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Thank you for joining us. If you're listening to us on uh, uh, DSTV, you're listening to us on Channel 902 on shortwave service. We're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us online, it's on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today I'm speaking about the business that I'm in, which is uh, uh, really radio and um, television. Uh, You know, sometimes when you hear something on television or hear speech by a minister it's easy to hear it it's easy for it to come into here because you're listening to it on tv or you're hearing it on the radio and sometimes we never think about how fragile that process is and what happens after that particular process when you've heard something how do you actually record it and actually make sure that even that recording is maintained and actually secured and put in a very safe place we heard earlier on from uh, sipo how long the process can particularly take from transferring something from uh, analog to digital so it's very interesting times that we are in right now. But I, I was very interested in what uh, Ilsa was highlighting earlier on about uh, uh, some of the challenges that are there when it comes to archiving. Ilsa, what are those stereotypes that maybe corporates have or maybe people like me, journalists, have about archiving? Because sometimes a journalist would just do a story and just move on to the next big story. Uh, but what are the big myths around this archiving business? I think partly it has to do with how audiovisual has um, progressed over the, the last century when it started. Remember before it was all paper, and paper records uh, was kept from the very beginning. The Bible even speaks about that. Uh, so when audiovisual arrived um, in the turn of the last century, um, it was viewed with suspicion. It was viewed maybe not as long-lasting. And most importantly, for academics, it was not viewed as a primary record. 
I think the broadcasters were one of the first to start with archives. The BBC is well known that it started the first broadcast archive. Um, but that was merely to keep um, programs away that they thought that would be used later or reused or repeat. Um, it was not really meant as an archive function per se. And so across the world we lost um, some of the first movies that was ever done, broadcasters lost the first recordings. And so um, only up until, I would say, in the midst of the century, did people actually start to understand that if we can keep the archive, uh, we can repurpose and we can save costs. Then when the digital era started around about the 1990s, um, archives were still, if you look at a value um, chain and you try to picture a, line, a, lin a linear line, I'm repeating myself here, then in that value chain, the archive would be right at the end. Mm -hmm. So a program will be commissioned, it will produce, it will go on air, then it goes to the archive. And that's where it gathers either dust or it waits for very proactive journalists or producers who will pick it up and, and do something with that. But otherwise, I think, and that was the nature of the analog era, you had to walk to the archives to get what you wanted. So when digital mm. started, it suddenly started to place archives towards the center of information. So now it's, it's possible to get your information via a computer if everything is digital. You don't have to walk to the archives anymore. And so with the realization that we don't have to look after the carrier anymore where the focus was, it was now look after the content, which is more important, came the realization that this is costing a lot of money. And we now need to, to invest quite a lot of money up front, and only afterwards will it become cheaper and will we actually start seeing the return on investment, so to speak. Sure, sure. So it took us another 20 years or, or mm. so. But we're in the process now mm. where people are starting to understand that and are starting to look at projects, how to digitize the collections. Yes, and yes. the broadcasters are very well known for it. Mm. We've seen huge projects in, the, in Europe uh, launching um, initiatives that actually put archives into the center of the broadcaster. And then on the other hand, this morning with this whole initiative, I read that Australia is putting a framework together on how to digitize its collections because it realized it can, it has to do it now. So you can see there is South Africa or Africa or Southern Africa is not alone in this quest of getting the archives to the center and getting it digitized. But I think the world is also shifting from where paper was so important to they recognizing audiovisual is important and they recognize that archives are actually playing an information role and not a storage role as it was in the early days. Well, that's fantastic to see those trends coming through and that change in terms of how people perceive uh, visuals and how they perceive information. Cecil, you wanted to say something before the break. Yeah, no, we, uh, I basically just wanted to welcome Ilze as my former colleague and someone we have actually um, done a lot with um, in terms of you know, finding out uh, what Southern Africa, where Southern Africa is, especially the broadcasters, you know. And that is, that is basically all I wanted to highlight. And, and number two, also to emphasize the point that um, it is not so much, you know, the, the finances that is not uh, supportive enough, you know, for setting up the, the audiovisual. It is, such, it is of such a critical and an important issue, 
you know, especially for the broadcasters and governments, because that is actually the part that we that we not really include when we talk of the 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 possibility of setting up a proper reference point, you know, and especially when it comes to the preservation of audiovisual material, and that is. Um, it's, it's, it's such an important aspect. Even in our education industry, uh, once it is built in properly to support these, the preservation of audio, audiovisual material, because it is once that we have set up a proper center that we can really have a well-informed and a well-educated population, which society is actually, that, which is that part of society that we need mm, so mm. dearly. Now, the, the goodwill, I think, um, the political will behind setting up these structures are not there. The, the, it's not really forthcoming, you know, from, <clears throat> excuse me, from most of the Southern African, um, most governments in Southern Africa, which study I have actually, um, uh, you know, read, especially the one conducted by, by Ilse, per se. Uh, we have such important material, even that is that is so important even to governments, for example. Um, reference point to uh, the liberation struggle for both Namibia, um, South Africa, Angola, for example, you know, that sits in Tanzania at the moment. And it is actually deteriorating to the level that we would not really have anything to refer back onto. Now, for whose detriment is that aspect, for example? Sure. It, is, it is both sure. for governments, the learning institutions, yeah. uh, which is the private sector involved as well, plus the society, the yeah, entire yeah, yeah. society within this region. Yeah, well, so I want to... That is actually where... That is, that is the only... Uh, I mean, the only part that I also wanted to highlight. Yeah, I think that's an important point, and it brings right. me back to the issue of uh, the commercial viability to actually what's happening in this particular regard, that actually what you highlighted earlier on, right. so, so that we can actually make money out of his content it doesn't have to be content that's just sitting i mean there's new trends right now where you're seeing like uh, series that are coming back from back then and now they're becoming commercially viable and there's a whole lot of developments where people really enjoy content i mean when you look at uh, the national geographics and so now people are selling that particular content it's not just content from way back then it's content Absolutely. that we can actually buy today and that brings me back to to namatama mate in our studio how important is that fact that actually archives are not just something that's sitting down it's actually something that has that uh, commercial value can actually be sold yeah benjamin it is true very true for example like if i look at channel africa channel africa have got very good programs for example the program done by dr amalea mm. which is humanity sure. that's one you can sell it it can be broadcasted anywhere in africa even in europe Mm. We've got uh, a program like Tam Tam Express. Mm. Fuzz have met with, have rubbed shoulders with a lot of African leaders. Sure. From the top up to the bottom, I can't even mention them. <laughs> we've got your program, African Dialogue. It can sell. Mm. And we've got our heritage, we've got uh, Africa for the Future, which mm. is now talking about uh, 2063, if mm. I'm not... Uh, yes, the African Union not, new yes. agenda, yes. Mm. In the past, Channel Africa had a program called Sadiq Calling. Mm. If my, some of my colleagues remember this program, this program was uh, being produced in 
South Africa by Channel Africa mm. and it was being broadcasted by all Sadiq countries. Okay. It was so if you did you miss it on Channel Africa <laughs> you can get it in Botswana. So I don't know if he, how far Mr. Daweti being the <laughs> program manager of Channel Africa how this program stopped I don't know in their partnership. Yes. Well, so like he, those programs can sell sure but uh, according to 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 add on what uh, the lady was saying i don't know her name sure mm. that's elsa yes elsa mm. when people Hi. look at what we do they think we just monitor what goes on air or we we are just there to be asked that i want this program on the, they don't really know what we are doing mm. has the archivist we are now even called media managers that's great we know everything about the media. We can even be teaching journalists how to report how, what is an interview, what is a report, what is a speech. Mm. So some people, they just put those things in one basket. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Let, so, sure. Let, let me move. I think that's an important point that you're making there. Yes. Um, and I'm, for I'm example, sure. in Africa, sure, sure. We, we, we had the timber to what fire. Yeah. So if we are not going to recover what we had in Mali, then Africa is dead. Mm. Mm. Let, let me move that back to you, Ilse, about how also the definition of archivists has also changed. I love what uh, Namatama was highlighting. They, they're not just archivists anymore. Now they've become content managers. Now they manage the content itself. And there seems to be also a kind of a repositioning of the archivists and their importance. I so agree with, um, with the discussion because... Uh, Archivists traditionally have been seen as people who would store and who would make content available. And that was probably the beginning and the end. And um, I found enough with the less uh, in those days uh, with the whole research that went into it, um, dealing with the content, uh, making it available and make, uh, making it accessible. But today we deal completely different with that, with the digital systems. And we have become media managers. That is true. Because now we actually look after the metadata. In other words, the standards that's there on how to make sure that the material can become accessible, the detail that we put in, um, in a piece of content, to make that retrievable. Uh, we advise producers these days uh, more than we did before on what content is available, and we help producers and journalists to, to reuse content. Um, it's just so exciting in terms of what's happening. The, the issue still is that we need to get our content in a digital form and we need to get it into systems where we can centralize this and where we can actually play an active role in standardizing the metadata and make sure that people can retrieve it from one central place. Um, until a, a broadcaster or a government institution has got these facilities, it still becomes archivist role at the end of the line and not putting it as informational media managers into the center of the business where we really want to be, where we should be. But yes, our role has changed completely. If I look at the job description now and I compare it to 20 years ago, it's two different things. <laughs> Which is fantastic. That's how we have to wrap it up. I love how Namatama Mata, because she knows the content of Channel Africa, she's like, hey, you can actually reposition this content. Almost she became like a, a CEO of Channel Africa, thinking kind of like, hey, I how agree. do we <laughs> how do we use this particular, how do we get it out there? For, 
For Channel Africa, there's, there's no pressure. There's no pressure at all to do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you it. to all of you. Thank you to Ilse Asman, the chairman of Sabah Audiovisual Committee. Thank you as well to Cecil Nguva-Uva, the former Southern African Broadcasters Association Secretary General. Thank you to Siputlop Icovis from Springbok Radio. I love how he described that particular, how do you change from a film to audio? How do you digitize? That's fantastic. Namatama Mate, journalist and archivist from the SABC. I think our CEO here in our uh, uh, station must watch out for Ms. Namatama Mate. She might just take over her job. But let, let's move on right now. <laughs> let's get our uh, business news. We've got Joalani Tulo standing by. Thank you, Benjamin. Good morning. South Africa's opposition, the Economic Freedom Fighters members, have begun arriving at Mary Fitzgerald Square at Newtown in the Johannesburg Central Business District for the party's Economic Freedom March. They'll march to the Reserve Bank's Johannesburg office and the Chamber of Mines in the CBD and then to the Johannesburg Stock Exchange in Santon to hand over a memorandum of demands. Their demands include regulation of the banking sector, better pay for mine workers and and economic transformation. Amos Pajo reports. Hundreds of EFF members dressed in their traditional red colors are singing and chanting struggle slogans in support of their leader, Julius Malema, who is expected to arrive shortly. Some are carrying placards written 0% increase for universities, capitalism sucks, and Zuma pay back the money. More buses are expected to arrive before the crowd starts making its way to the Reserve Bank, Chamber of Mines, and the JSE. Police are keeping an eye on the situation. The underground sit-in by about 500 mine workers at the ASA Metal Chrome Mine in Dilokong near Burgersfort, Limpopo, has ended. National Union of Mine Workers spokesperson Libuani Mamburu says, however, workers will not go back to work as management has not yet met their demands. They are demanding the dismissal of the human resource manager at the mine. They say he victimizes union members at the mine. Mamburu says meetings held with management did not bring an agreement. So they came out and they're vowing to continue with the, with the strike until the management can address their demands. They vowed not to go to back to work even though they are back on, on the surface until the management uh, address their demands. And they want the HR manager, Senaouz, above uh, the age of 65, to, to leave the company. Unemployment is expected to have increased when Statistics South Africa releases the third quarter figures today. Analysts say indications are at the level of unemployment and is unlikely to improve in the foreseeable future in South Africa. Dimakato Lishoro has more. Diminished demand for South Africa's commodities plus shortages in electricity has seen the country's economic growth take a knock. The weaker economic growth will spell bad news for job creation and safeguarding. The official joblessness rate for the second quarter was 25% and the wider definition of unemployment was pegged at around 35%. 
Ugandan President Yoweri Museveni says as the petroleum, gas and all resources are finite and not renewable, speaking at the ceremony of the inauguration of the Board of Directors of the new National Petroleum Authority and the National Oil Authority at State House, Museveni cautioned members of the two bodies that it is now their responsibility to develop the country's economy. Museveni says in Uganda they have discovered 40% of oil in the target areas and 6.5 billion barrels will be yielded from the target areas. And finally, employees of the Basotho Fruit and Vegetable Canners, now trading as Mountain Kingdom Foods, were left shell-shocked after learning of the immediate closure of the factory. Lesotho workers claim operations had been going smoothly at the factory without any problems, especially following the multi-million Maludi renovation of the factory, which was meant to improve its productivity. However, they were shocked when Lesotho National Development Corporation, which developed the cannery in the 1970s, visited the factory to drop the bombshell on the unsuspecting employees. Taking a look at the financial indicators, the U.S. dollar is trading at 13.61 South African Rand, at 10.32 Botswana Pula, and at 12.12 Zambian Kwacha. It is also trading at 0.65 to the British pound and at 0.90 to the euro. On the commodities market, gold is trading at $1,163 and platinum at $988 an ounce. Finally, the price of Brent crude oil is at $47.23 a barrel. For Channel Africa, I'm Jola. In our sports update this hour, we're kicking off with football news. South African businessman and former Minister of Human Settlements, Tokyo Sihwale, is to run for the presidency of World Soccer's governing body, FIFA. Sihwale says he'll be leaving for Egypt on Tuesday afternoon to brief the confederations of African football about his desire to stand as the candidate for the position of the world football's governing body, FIFA. Sihwale explains. This is what I want to tell the leadership of CAF. Why? I am here to assist football. What is broken in FIFA is not the pitch, it is the administration. Football plays every day. It doesn't require us out there in FIFA. It plays despite the scandals and all the corruption that we're hearing about. Football is there. Neymar will kick it. Ronaldo will kick it. We are going for the Ballon d'Or. Ronaldo and so on. Drogba. It continues, but it's hurt. It's hurting because right at the top, we have defaulted and the brand is damaged. What? To cricket news, all-time great Shane Warne and Sachin Tendulkar have called for the 2020 cricket to become an Olympic sport. Cricket has not featured since 1900, but the sports governing body is meeting the International Olympic Committee next month to discuss a possible bid. Former Australian leg spinner Warne and ex-Indian batsman Tendulkar are captaining rival teams in a series of three 2020 All-Star matches in the USA in November as they seek to use their fame to help globalize the game. Their backing for an Olympic bid will increase the pressure on the International Cricket Council, the ICC, to reverse its resistance to the concept on the ground that it might dilute the sport's existing competitions, such as the World Cup and the World 2020. 
Meanwhile, South African fast bowler Kahiso Rabada described their historical 3-2 one-day international series win over India in the subcontinent as a great team effort and a gate-changing result. Rabada, who has only played 10 ODIs for the Proteas, has continued to show immense potential in the early stages of his international career. The 2014 Under-19 Cricket World Cup winner Rabada has been putting in match-winning performances for his country since making his debut and picking up 6 for 16 against Bangladesh earlier this year. A buoyant Rabada says winning the decider is a great way to finish what has been an outstanding series between the two best cricket nations. It was a great team effort in all the games. It's tough coming to play in India. We haven't won a, a series yet, so we've made history. It was tough. India bounced back in Chennai. So we knew that today was a, a game of, of great magnitude. We, we came out at the bat showing great intent, gave ourselves a really good chance. We wrapped it up with the ball. It was a great series playing against some magnificent players, experienced players as well. It was a titanic battle. On his first competitive international tour in India with the Proteas, Rabada finished the five-match ODI series, the leading wicket-taker, tied for the first place with his idol, Dale Stain, on 10 wickets each. Rabada says it helped him a lot having experienced players who know the conditions and the Indian cricket atmosphere around on the tour. It helps that there's experienced guys around you, guys who've played in these conditions, guys who've seen it all and have done it all. For example, AB is always there, Hash, you know, there's guys around you who really help you out. They make it a hell of a lot easier. I think it's just realizing that you're not playing for yourself, you're playing for your country. You're going to try your best because you are an ambassador. And finally, with tennis news, the International Tennis Federation, the ITF, has announced the entries for the 2015 NEC Wheelchair Tennis Masters. South African wheelchair tennis aces Khutato Munjane and Lucas Sitole will return to London in December to join the elite field of the world's best players at the Olympic Park for the end of the year singles championship. Both Munjane and Sitole will also be competing in the Nottingham Indoor Tournament, an event to be staged at Nottingham, Great Britain, from the 18th to the 22nd of November, prior to the NEC Masters. And that's your sport news this hour. Well, that's how we wrap it up. Thank you for joining us today. Very fun conversation we had today looking at the audiovisual heritage date. It is today looking at how do we preserve audiovisual? How do we preserve this conversation we had today and the importance of that? What are your thoughts around this conversation? SMS us on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. You're also welcome to find us on Facebook. We've got a Channel Africa page there. So Simply go to Channel Africa on Facebook or you can tweet us at African Dialogue. That's at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa 1. That's the number one at the end, at Channel Africa 1. Remember, go to our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. You can uh, find more of our content there in our various languages, various programs. So do go there. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. If you're away from your computer, away from your radio set, you can also find us there. 
on your mobile phone. So do interact with us on our website. For me, Benjamin Mushatama, until tomorrow, we'll be looking at uh, really the sea economy there. There's a real issue of seabed mining that's a concern. So we'll be looking at that particular issue tomorrow. But until tomorrow, God bless.